Sergeant Angel. Morning, the swan's escaped. The swan's escaped? Yeah. Right, and where's the swan escaped from exactly? Ah, uh, the castle. Oh yeah, and who might you be? Mr. Staker. Yeah, Mr. Peter Ian Staker. P.I. Staker, yeah. right. Piss Taker, come on! Yes, Mr. Staker, um, we'll do everything we can. Can you describe it to me? It's about uh, two foot tall, um, long, slender neck. Yeah. Kind of orange and black bill. Anything else? Well, it's a swan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 56 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we are continuing the Cornetto trilogy with the 2007 Edgar Wright film Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz starring Nick Frost, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Switch those around. Um, Danny, would you like to read the IMDb synopsis for us? Sure. A skilled London police officer, after irritating superiors with his embarrassing effectiveness, is transferred to a village (laughs) where the easygoing officers object to his fervor of regulations, or fervor for regulations, as a string of grisly murders strikes the town. I love it. It's like three sentences. (laughs) It's one sentence. It's like one sentence, but like three. Effective use of commas. (laughs) Yeah, three, three main chunks to make one sentence feel like a very dis like clear statement um so yeah thomas what did you think of hot fuzz so yeah i really enjoy hot fuzz hot fuzz is like a fucking great movie it's a great movie for like action movie lovers and just like comedy lovers it uh i think it is the more beloved movie uh in this like trilogy thing so this this is like someone's that usually i would say hot fuzz seems to be the audience favorite of all three because it's just like the more outrageous and over the top and like big version of what sort of the ideas of uh, Shaun of the Dead sort of brought forward. Um, uh, upon rewatch, I'm like, I like, I love this movie. I think it's really great. It's not my favorite of the three, but I still like, I enjoy it a, a ton. There's a lot of great stuff. A lot of like the script is fantastic. It like does like the circular, like self-referential thing again. The casting is really great. That's one thing that sort of really stands out in this movie. It's got like Timothy Dalton, Bill Nye, Olivia Coleman. There's just like so many like great characters in this a lot movie. Of heavy hitters, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really great. And then just like yeah, the action is just like really over the top. It sort of builds up very nicely with like you know this. Uh, like the the villain in this movie is is really misleading, and then when we sort of get the full reveal towards the end, it's a lot of fun. But I, like upon rewatch, I think it like it it feels a little long to me. I feel like this one kind of drags a little bit. That's one thing I, I sort of noticed while watching it. Um, that's I think that my only like main criticism about it. It just like it feels a tad longer than it should be, even though it is a very punchy movie in the same vein as Shaun of the Dead and or like scott pilgrim other edgar wright films but yeah there's a lot to love about this movie i uh, absolutely understand when people say this is like one of their favorite movies one of their favorite movies in the cornetto trilogy but yeah uh upon rewatch i was just a i don't know it kind of <laughs> i was just i was like exhausted after watching this movie it felt there's just like there's so much in it and it just kind of just it it really i don't want to say it, it hits you over the head with it's with like uh central gimmick or whatever but like it it, it i don't know it, it kind of it does i feel like it it, it gets a, a tad repetitive what do you think about mm-hmm. it um so i think within our circle 
I hear a lot of people say that Hot Fuzz is their favorite. Um, I I don't know that our circle of friends though represent our circle of friends who are like film kids and shit like yeah. represent uh, most people. So so I I think Shaun of the Dead tends to be the number one for people. And I I just checked IMDb because uh, I already have the page open. Yeah. Um, IMDb rating for this one is 7.8. Shaun of the Dead is 7.9. Ooh, just edging okay. out. And in terms of popularity, they even do a popularity ranking. Shaun of the Dead is 873. Uh, Hot Fuzz is 1,111. Yeah. <laughs> Straight ones. Um, yeah, really, really popular on Reddit. <laughs> I was reading through their Reddit comments and people talking about what their favorites in the trilogy was. And Hot Fuzz was, I think it was kind of edging it out by a, a pretty far margin. Maybe it's like a certain audience or something. Um, yeah, I think just cop movies and action movies are just a tad more accessible and a little bit more knowledgeable, sorry, at least, sorry, known about and sort of like the films, I guess, zombie movies and romantic comedies are a little bit more of a narrow lane of sort of stuff that people like. And so yeah, just kind of it. making a funny cop movie is just a little bit more appealing. Um, so yeah, when this movie first came out, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> um, because I loved Shaun of the Dead, but like I've said, you know, horror is my favorite genre. Um, I was totally a sucker for everything that they were doing with Shaun of the Dead. I felt like these are people who love the genre, and I'm right there with them, and I was digging all of it. And I was moved with Shaun of the yeah. Dead. Yeah, I was yeah, moved definitely. in a way that I wasn't moved with Hot Fuzz. Um, Hot Fuzz, I think, is way more stylistic. Um, I'm not sure if that's true, but, I mean, right out of the gate, we start with this montage of uh simon Pegg's career as a police officer yeah um and it's super stylized one of the jokes in this movie is every time people get arrested we get this montage of them getting their uh, mugshot taken yes and it's like that montage becomes a joke that like the repetition of that montage becomes a joke over the course of this movie it's like um, the the picture lineup and then the yeah. paperwork of the, writing the names on the paper and it's just like have smash cuts <laughs> smash cuts through paperwork and shit yeah um, <laughs> and so yeah this movie i i it, i think it definitely works better on a rewatch because uh you know the direction it's going the mystery's been solved so on a rewatch you're looking for all the clues you're looking for all the tip-offs of where is this movie going um, yeah and where can they sneak in gags and callbacks which this it does exceptionally well like i have to say like yeah Edgar Wright is like a fucking genius in that regard for just like like just very small things like even the stuff like the goose and like just names of characters every single thing is like not a fucking line in this movie is wasted as far as like how it gets referred to in like the first yeah. act and the third act. So it's like you said it was like self-referential, but I feel like this one, I feel like Shaun of the Dead, when it's self-referential, it's making a callback to a previous joke. Uh, or it's like making a callback in a way that like recontextualizes what came before and now it's a joke. This one feels more like it's just like long-term setup and payoffs where it's like you get a setup yeah like an hour and a half early into the moon or earlier and then you get the payoff and it's just like wow they really slept on that one they really like waited for it or it's like like i said with the um montage it's just like repetition it's just it's relying on that repetition to establish the joke um but yeah i like i said i was disappointed initially i've come to really enjoy this movie um i think i still rank Shaun of the dead above it but yeah, it definitely functions better on a rewatch and 
I, I'm not sure if if I was a bigger action fan, if I would be all about it, because the action doesn't really happen until the last half hour. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's a solid flick. <laughs> I, I, I like Odd Fuzz. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I had this weird moment when like, yeah, like the action in Shaun of the Dead feels a little bit more fun and uh, lighthearted. The fact that it's zombie stuff, but when yeah. like I think I might have just got a little bit like aged out of just like loving cop violence and like sort of yeah. I was when he like kind of like straps up for the end of the movie to like go back and just like. Like, like have a, a massive shootout with not exaggerating every single person in the town it's like i was like oh damn like i don't know i, I at that point I, I was kind of just like okay like i want to just get to more of just like the jokes of it not necessarily just like him having this massive arsenal and kind of like not killing people lethally but like kind of just like clipping people in the shoulder a lot which i was so, just, which i thought was kind of clever but i was like okay like i don't know maybe i was just like the first time i saw this movie was college day uh, you know, sfsu days smoking a ton of weed with my friend sam and just being like this movie is fucking incredible like the aaron a aronson joke and just like <laughs> the fact oh, that yeah, yeah they, like <laughs> the lanes that they go to like, like you said to like finish those punchlines it's fucking incredible but yeah i think just the the buddy cop aspect of it didn't really resonate as much for me like when they're having the conversation outside of the police car and it's kind of just like convincing him convincing uh Nick Frost character that like you know it's an actual conspiracy and we have to do something about it. It's kind yeah. of like it didn't quite hit as hard as like Sean's mom dying and like the asshole yeah. boyfriend, the asshole friend is trying to convince her to kill her. And so like I don't know, it's just the beats were just they're, they're like they're solid and they like they totally work, but it just didn't work as well for me. Um. So yeah, thinking on it more, actually, the action in this movie is pretty sloppy. <laughs> um, yeah. Like. Like, Edgar Wright is very stylistic with his use of camera and with the way he edits, especially the way he edits. Um, but it's not as if the action is really well choreographed. It's not like it's not like the payoff we get in a movie where you don't expect to get an action payoff. Malignant, yeah. where the action is incredible <laughs> in that movie, <laughs> yeah. where you're like, holy shit, it, I, like... I wasn't having a good time with Malignant. Then the action happens and it's like, it completely redeemed itself, completely turned that experience around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hot fuzz. I'm having a good time through the whole thing because the comedy is great. But uh, when the action takes place, it's like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, a climax, a fun climax, but it's not, you know, I wasn't having my mind blown by anything. Um, yeah. And it's like Shaun of the Dead made by zombie fans. There's a lot of love in how it approaches the genre is that same love here with how it approaches action i mean they're, they're well, referencing a lot of action movies well now that you bring it up is okay there's two films that sort of get the biggest like mm -hmm. i love you in this movie like it's um point break um which i'm forgetting the director's name uh, Catherine bigelow so we have Catherine bigelow's point break and then we have michael bay's bad boys too yeah and like yeah <laughs> and that and like michael bay is notorious for having like either his eye is incredibly sharp and he has these great sweeping shots and the camera's like turning around the characters and everything feels big and massive or it's kind of just a mess and so maybe <laughs> yeah. there maybe edgar wright is so ahead of the curve he like he's so aware he's like all right like it's okay if it's a little messy because it's just going to be a fucking chaotic shootout inside of this little bar but it's like what could this I don't know. I feel like 
he should have been do- pulling John Woo stuff. Like it should have been like yeah. John Woo. Uh, True. Yeah. Yeah. Like show me the love you have for like the execution of of action of really well done action. Um, yeah. yeah, it is really it is like really choppy. I, that was one thing that like stood out to me while watching this is when early on in the movie like we have there's a lot of just fantastic sequences in this movie but pretty early on there's they're like scoping out people in the town and uh, uh nick uh, sorry simon peck's character's name is nicholas angel so i keep i keep saying yeah. the word nick in my mind <laughs> like uh nick frost but no yeah so uh nicholas angel he's kind of like inside the the squad car and he's like scoping out people and he's like there's always something going on like under the lair like you just gotta like yeah. look a little closer and we get the like shady kind of hip-hop looking guy with a uh, purple like track suit and the white hat he's like covering his head and then a few scenes later like he's shoplifting from the grocery store mm-hmm. and we get like this nice chase sequence through like from the grocery store into like the the neighborhood where we have a, a funny little callback to the Shaun of the Dead uh, jumping over the fences scene where he just does this really great choreographed like he, he uh, not choreographed he does this I think Simon Pegg actually does the, like the first like three jumps but then the last like flip is a, a stunt double yeah and then uh, Nick Frost just like runs through the, the, the gate and just falls over and so like yeah all that's great like when they're like looking for the goose it's like really like just over the top and like fastly shot and yeah I, I i enjoy that but yeah it seems a little uh a little too chaotic at some points where it's just like it's a lot of fast cuts it's a lot of like shaky cam running hmm. so hmm. so one of the things you mentioned earlier is you feel like so this is a longer movie it's like yeah. two and a half it's two hours the uh shawn of the dead was only like 140 or something um, I think what would have helped this movie a little bit is the dialogue feels snappy. Like it's very well written with its, yeah, it's, it's very well written, but I, I feel like it could be delivered a lit a little quicker. Like if it, if it was faster paced with how they were like saying the lines, I think it would have helped a little bit one in terms of runtime, but I think some of the jokes might've landed better because I do feel like this movie is a little bit sluggish. Well, that's the thing. It's like, there's, like it's there's so much good i think that it just gets a little bit bloated it's like everyone it's like everyone inside the precinct is funny like like especially olivia coleman she's like making these sex jokes it has like a great like call back to the end We're like oh everyone likes the little girl on girl when she hits the, yeah. the female, <laughs> like the lady in the supermarket and like timothy dalton is great as the mm-hmm. villain sort of showing up after all of the crime scenes and like making a one-liner and driving off in his convertible so there's just like I feel like there's so much good that it's hard to cut stuff out because yeah, they had to kill their darlings a little bit. Yeah, every single character has like a a setup and a callback and it, like and a punchline and all that stuff. And so it's yeah, there's just so much of it that it's hard to be like, oh, like how do you get rid of you know uh, these small little details that sort of just really make this movie what it is? And I was like, I, I want to ask you the same question I asked you in uh, Shaun of the Dead. What's your favorite, favorite joke? joke. In this yeah, movie? I came prepared because I was thinking of it. <laughs> um, so my favorite joke in the movie, which I remember like giggling minutes after it was delivered. <laughs> um, it's when Nick Frost asked Simon Pegg, like, why did you want to become a cop? They're having a they're having a beer together. Yeah. Simon Pegg is telling him his story about his uncle Derek. It's like his uncle Derek gave him a um little like toy police car or something and he would 
go around arresting kids that were bigger than him. <laughs> and uh, he was like, I wanted to be like Uncle Derek. And then Nick Frost says, sounds like a good bloke. And he says, actually, he was arrested for selling drugs to suit it. <laughs> and then Nick Frost <laughs> says, what a cunt. <laughs> but the way yes. he delivers what a cunt is like, it's just as sweet as sounds like a good bloke. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it's all delivery there. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, once again, their friendship is incredibly fucking sharp in this movie. And, like, yeah, like, him as, like, kind of like, uh, sorry, uh, Nick Frost is, like, the bumbling kind of sidekick character who just, like, just kind of gets taken under his wing. It's, just, it, it's fucking great, and it works so well. Um, so what's your what's your favorite joke? Um, mine also takes, well, I, I have two that I want to mention. There's my favorite, like, little visual thing is just, when uh nicholas angel he's first inside of the bar and he has this whole thing where for the first like i guess for the first act of this movie he's only drinking cranberry juice and like everyone else is kind of like having a pint they like go they all go to lunch or whatever and have like a pint and so very on like when he first shows up in the town goes to the bar and orders a pint and um uh nick frost is behind him he like gets a beer and then walks off screen for literally like five seconds. He comes back and his beer's empty. That's like my, my favorite little like just small. I don't think I've noticed visual. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens so fast. It's just like, fuck. Like it's so funny that just the idea of like him just chugging a pint in less, it, than, yeah. less than 10 seconds is just really funny to me. Um, but also the great callback, of, the visual callback, it also happens because there's a bunch of teenagers inside the bar. And so the first like thing that sort of Nicholas Angelus does in this town is he like goes around, he's just asking people like, what, like, how old are you or whatever. And there's so many like great little jokes in there, but there's this nice visual gag where one of the teenagers like has like the light reflect off of his braces like inside of the bar. Cause mm. like, he's just like looking around and like, it just like shines really bright. And so in the end, in the third act, when he finds the crypt and he finds the crypt full of all, like, all, there's like the, the rope, the gold robot man is in there. We get to see like the big bearded guy yeah, who was Nicholas Angel. A great big bushy beard. Yeah, his predecessor. But also that dead teenager is in there and you get like a little brief, <laughs> like a shine of his braces as he's dead. And I was like, fucking A, like using his corpse to like deliver yeah. that punchline. It's just so, fucking so fucking amazing to me. What? I think a great big bushy beard is like one of the best jokes too. I think that yeah, might that be too. Emily's favorite joke. I think she was like, I got to show you this clip from Hot Fuzz. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, there's a line I, I have to point out. Um, uh, there's the villains in these movies. Are like, I do want to get into spoiler territory and talk about uh, just the, the reveal that kind of happens at the end. Or do you yeah, have, uh, no, we can do that. Yeah. Spoiler okay. Um, Here we go. Yes. So it, yeah, this whole thing with like the neighborhood watch and like they're like the cult, and so they like they're just getting rid of people because of minor grievances, and like they kill like the the actor because he like shames Shakespeare or whatever, and like like they kill like the florist also, because also a good joke that it's yeah. the uh, Romeo and Juliet from um, Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fucking really good. And then, yeah, like they get like killed Flores because she's like just threatening and taking her talents to another town. It just, I just, I love the fact that like this neighborhood watch slash cult is just going to great murderous lanes, mm-hmm. like killing the the uh, newspaper edit author because he just like makes too many typos inside of yeah. the paper. Just like silly shit like that. But I think it's, um, it's Nick Frost's dad 
who says we need to make Sanford great again. And I just thought that that was really really (laughs) fucking interesting that like we get that in a movie in 2007 and then later on in our adult lives, it is used as a slogan to to justify doing horrible, horrible things to other people in America. And so, I don't know, it just really fucking stuck out to me and it just sort of adds to the the timelessness of this movie or the, the timeliness of this movie but also just like it's just it's just so fucking good and like i don't know it's just and i just it really fucking stuck with it Shaun of the dead uh predating covid yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's like so appropriate I mean, props what to emily it? for suggesting this really because <laughs> yeah. it's just so damn appropriate for 2021 uh yeah what's world end hold, hold in store for us oh uh, who knows just like men <laughs> refusing to get older <laughs> going to be a, a proud boy character in that movie oh boy <laughs> um yeah i think uh i think that's about it <laughs> all i have so oh I have, actually uh, other uh, plenty of other references okay there was <laughs> i mean one thing i did want to discuss which i think will be more relevant in the next movie is just that there re- alcohol plays a big role in all three of these movies like yeah, the yeah. first movie is the winchester it's a bar that's where they like make their stronghold this movie simon Pegg doesn't drink and then eventually he he comes to begin drinking again and uh him and nick frost to develop their relationship over drinks and then the final movie of course uh world's end it's a pub crawl it's fucking pub crawl <laughs> like yeah uh edgar wright simon Pegg, and nick frost love to drink i guess yeah and there's a fucking great thing in this movie where there's this whole like shtick about Nicholas Angel. Like in the beginning, there's a nice little visual gag where his girlfriend is like on the forensics, the forensics team, and she like, oh, like yeah, that's there's crazy. like all these people like kind of dressed identically in like these like uh, hazmat kind of jumpsuits and with a mask on. And there, but he gets one gets confused. He like starts giving this like emotional spiel to one person. It's like, no, that's not me. He's like, she's over there. And then she does this thing. It's like, oh, it's like I wouldn't date this person. I would date this person over there. And it is all just like look visually identical. So they yeah. have a little fun with that. But, but there's that, this whole thing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, maybe maybe you're gonna get into it. But I was I remember watching that and thinking, does this? I don't remember this scene, and I don't know if the scene really pays off. Like this feels like something that could have been cut. Unless you're gonna tie it in with something, but go ahead. Um, I wasn't gonna say it should be cut, but it is. I, I don't know. Um, it does get called back a little bit. Well, the complaint that the character has, she's like, you can never turn your brain off. Like you're always yeah. on. That's like that's why you're like this overachieving guy. You're like embarrassing uh, Bill Nighy and Martin Freeman. You're embarrassing your your uh, your. Uh, 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 your the your bosses i don't know why i struggle with that word um yeah so you're embarrassing your bosses you're too fucking good at your job like you're just you know you're making the whole entire precinct look bad because you're so good you just can't turn your brain off and then when they have their night of drinking they have the little emotional beat inside of danny's house where he's like I just don't know how to turn my brain off. And so he's like, oh, I'll show you how. And he just opens up the like the closet just <laughs> yeah. filled with Action movies. movies. Yeah, and I just thought that was really funny. And he's like, okay. uh, Point Break or Bad Boys 2. He's like, which one do you think I'll prefer? And he's like, no, which one do you want to watch first? And, so I, and then they proceed to watch both and fall asleep during Bad Boys 2. But yeah, I just thought that was... It's interesting it's like, as a film lover and as someone who just consumes a ton of movies for the sake of analysis, but also for the sake of sort of 
detachment and sort of escapism. I just thought that was a nice little, that's what I think that's why I felt like when I say self-referential, that kind of thing. I'm just like, there's a reason why we love to watch movies and we love to sort of just be invested in these other worlds. And it does a really good job of like, yeah, uh, being a tribute to this genre, but also doing things that are really interesting with it. And yeah, uh, I wanted to bring up this, the the sort of the villain, like the sort of the the killings in this movie, because that's one thing that really stands out to me. It's like just the over the topness of the violence is something that I like. I get alarmed every time I watch this movie, and the the fucking actor and actresses' heads are just like on the like on the side of the road, and and like the the death at the church. Yeah, is like it, it's always yeah. just like just it's just just very visually over it's the like, top. oh yeah these, these guys made a zombie movie <laughs> like they're not gonna shy away from this yeah i want to know what you thought about that like yeah the big massive mansion explosion like it's just like it's just all really big yeah um i mean i guess like walking into this knowing that it's the guys who did Shaun of the dead like you're kind of expecting some of that so that's the thing it's like emily and i watched the, this trilogy last month and i was like we're gonna have a spooky september you know we're gonna get started early <laughs> uh mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's watch horror movies. And so we watched Shaun of the Dead. And then she was like, oh, now, now I want to watch Hot Fuzz. And it's like, I don't know if it counts. And she was like, well, it does have a cult in it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. okay, I guess I guess it does count. So so like this violence, I think, uh, I don't know. It, it Yeah, these are the guys who made Shaun of the Dead. Like it's still, it's still within their territory. Um, yes, they're doing a, an action homage, an action love letter. Um, but, you know they they love everything <laughs> yeah. like they they love what they love they're not going to shy away from what they love yeah i don't know just like yeah timothy dalton slipping and falling on like the church spike and like having that go through his like yeah, his bottom that's jaw <laughs> yeah it's just like it's so fucking like hyper violent and visual but also just like it's a joke that he's like still yeah. alive and he's like oh this really hurts it's just like <laughs> yeah got james bond to like fall on a fucking church steeple and get impaled through the mouth like it's fucked up because we just had this conversation about squid game and the violence in squid game and it's like that feels that hits me because it is more grounded but Mm -hmm. this is like over the top and like kind of ridiculous and so it's like it emotionally i i'm not disturbed i'm just like all right cool like that's a thing that happened yeah, in 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 defense of Hot Fuzz, it does have like just so much fun with it that it like. What there's is two things I want to mention. There's like the really fantastic scene where like this guy, this like cockney guy, is like doing something with like he's like shooting over his lawn or something like that, and then like they go to talk to him about it, and then he just reveals like over the course of some uh, <laughs> like clunky. Um, translation like he speaks just like a deep cockney accent or whatever and then the older police officer with the dog sort of translates it and they sort of do like this little like telephone game and then he reveals he just has like an arsenal of weapons and he has a fucking a sea mine inside of his his shelf (laughs) they missed they missed an opportunity for a joke in that scene they get he hits it and starts going off we get a reaction shot of uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. We get a reaction shot of the guy who owns it. We get another reaction shot of them. Why don't we get a reaction shot from the dog? I yeah. know they shot it. <laughs> yeah. They had to have been thinking about that. Maybe that's on the cutting room floor. They're like, a, we're, we're running a little long. <laughs> we're going to yeah. cut the dog reaction out. 
But yeah, and then yeah, just the the payoff of that, of like the entire precinct exploding at the end, is just like it's just this is fucking really wild, and just like I don't know, it just uh, adds another little like fake out to the end of the movie. It is really of, strange because it's like there's no real payoff for that. Uh, yeah, it, it does feel a tad tacked on that like you think that uh, Danny's character is dead, but then they're like he's not he kind of just comes back like is that just a action movie trope that like the partner dies in the end everything seems fine yeah yeah i i can't like um cite a particular movie where it happens even while watching this i was i thought there were more bad boy two references but they're just mainly like the helicopter shot and like the the shit just got real moment well uh, yeah the the precinct blowing up always reminds me of wayne's world when <laughs> yeah. uh, doesn't the house blow up in Wayne's world and then he carries Garth out and he's saying like why God so. why <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's so. like maybe that's got to be a reference to something else and we just haven't picked up on that piece of pop culture history yeah apparently at least according to the Wikipedia that he watched uh, Edgar Wright watched upwards of like 110 like, co- like buddy cop movies or like action movies from the era to sort of just mine from and just to like draw from which I thought was just like Jesus, it's like <laughs> like a hundred more like action movies than I'm willing to sort of binge watch. Yeah, I gotta now. I'm now I've gotta know like what is this a reference to? Because it feels like it has to be a reference to something. There's a nice uh, Tarantino trunk shot where he's like uh, hiding in the back. And, uh, Nicholas Andy oh, yeah. opens it up and he's inside of there. But it nice. makes sense in this one because we're seeing from the point of view of a person. <laughs> Whereas yeah. sometimes in Tarantino movies, it's just point of view of whatever's in the back of that trunk. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's it's quite literally all the characters outside of the trunk. Or uh, it happens in Kill Bill One at the end of Kill Bill One. Yeah, there's, there's someone in, in the there. trunk. Yeah. But now that's just his thing. You yeah. shoot. Yeah. If you shoot feet from uh, the inside of a trunk, you can summon <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Oh. Yes. Yes. You definitely can. Um, yeah, I, I also want to just mention the the two, like, another trope, I guess, is the, we have our, our hero duo with um, Danny Butterman and Nicholas Angel, but then you also have, like, the, the two opposing, like, rival characters or, like, in the same precinct that just don't believe a single thing that he's saying. And um, one's uh, Patty Constantine, and the other one is uh, Rave Spall, who was in... The ritual which i just watched recently mm. so i just I, okay. just another like this cast is just so stacked like it's just insane to me yeah oh uh, i remember what it was yeah just the fact when i said they were having fun with it is uh when nicholas angel first shows up to town or when not when he first shows up when he goes on his jog throughout the town he like talks to a series of townspeople like in the final confrontation that's the order in which that all of the characters sort of end up in the shootout. And so it, like, it starts off with- That's with, a ridiculous um, detail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just insane. And like, I, I absolutely love when the like preacher comes out and he's like, stop with all of this violence. And he just has like the two guns yeah. inside of his sleeves. And yeah, it's like, so the, yeah, they just have so much fun with the setup and the payoff of the violence in this movie that it makes it sort of, it, it's easier to sort of digest. But yeah, I think just as like, when I was like, 19 or 18 watching this movie it's like this is like the greatest fucking thing after but after this like fucking experiencing so much fucking uh police brutality in the media it is less charming to watch like hit like this uh cop character sort of ride in on town on this horse on this white horse and he's just like just 
fucking armed to the teeth a white um, horse like death <laughs> i didn't yeah even literally that. yeah there's a great little visual gag where um above him there's a banner that says like good luck stanford because they're doing this whole thing yeah. about winning the best content uh, best town contest and i thought that also tied into the fact that like uh good luck because like this guy's about to fucking come yeah and start <laughs> shooting everybody and so yeah there's, there's a lot of good like stuff like that in the movie that i think is a lot more fun than just the the straight up just buddy cop action shit yeah it's it's a comedy first like the, yeah. the, the action comes way late um yeah 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 that was the the big things i want to mention because like Shaun of the dead there's something in every single scene of this movie that you can like sort of have like a conversation a little like talk about because it's just completely packed from beginning to end with just gags and small jokes and small details and yeah it, it, we could talk for fucking hours about yeah. just every they know how to punch up their script yeah there's a great little thing where it's after the mansion blows up it's like someone off screen says like this is something out of backdraft and just yeah just, just... i saw that today yeah that so on. <laughs> all right yeah. is that it for hot fuzz uh yeah definitely glad to have rewatched it uh fucking fantastic movie yeah those are mainly my thoughts um what have you been watching this week um i finished squid game did we talk about this okay no we didn't i probably finished like right after our last recording so i'm a little Uh, uh, lost in time but gotcha so so squid game spoilers (laughs) for the listeners i had to laugh yeah spoilers for squid game i had to laugh at your uh your prediction of what the uh, cop character does because i was like you're gonna yeah that does not happen at all (laughs) nothing happens (laughs) with that investigation it literally so i'm assuming it's gonna pay off in season two because because <laughs> otherwise it meant nothing like we get a twist that you could see coming um my only weird my only thing about that twist was like at one point i was like oh i wonder if i bet his brother's this guy but then we find out his brother won in like six years ago or something like that and it's like all right well that would be weird if like this guy stuck around for six years because it's like didn't he just go missing like i, I don't know um, yeah yeah so so yeah i wasn't into that (laughs) i really wasn't into the reveal of the old man uh being the the host the mastermind behind this whole thing because it feels like it doesn't really so it it it, it creates a situation where our main character can get answers because he's talking to this guy um but we as an audience has have already had all these answers because we've seen the vips so it's not an interesting experience for the audience. It makes sense. It makes sense that our character has to have this discovery, but it doesn't provide anything new for the audience. And all it does is just ruin a character. Um, how did you yeah, feel? And it, uh, yeah, I, th- I have a lot of issues with the last episode. Um, that being the, the like that whole thing with finding the old man character, um, it sort of it takes away from the weight of the marbles episode because you have this yeah like the, one of the like deepest hitting emotional beats of the entire series mm-hmm. is like playing like you have our main character who we're supposed to be aligning ourselves with yeah now and we're gonna we be see, rooting for him to kill this guy yeah we <laughs> see we him like, watch it yeah we see him deceive this older character who's like very honest about his dementia we just like see this 
like like you can see him like basically like lie to him essentially and then he flips it on him it's like okay like you like you basically were just going along with this because i went along with it yeah. and then we get to like proceed to see him like get shot off camera and yeah having him be like inside the hospital bed playing this game with like a homeless man down on the street he's like if someone doesn't come and help him or whatever then or something like i forget exactly what it is but they're, they're, he makes a little game out of yeah. watch if this person will like die on if the street. No one helps it's, him before midnight. Yeah, yeah, it was fucked up. That, that one was just like, oh man, like do you guys really have to kind of go back and add another layer to that to make it even more horrible? It is interesting to me that the person who helps him is a foreigner, isn't it? Isn't it like so. a white dude? Yeah, I think so. It's like okay, well, this is there's uh, something is being said here. Um, probably yeah i guess korean culture that i'm not yeah it gets a little yeah i don't know it gets a little funky towards the end yeah him dyeing his hair like burgundy red okay also interesting choice so you said there was a scene in the last couple episodes or something that you found really beautiful when i was watching and we get this scene of him going to get his hair cut and the tv the news is saying um, you know, that debt is just like piling up in Korea. Like debt is yeah. just growing and growing. And then he's going to get his haircut. The hairdresser asks like, what do you want? And he looks over and he sees these pictures of a bunch of white people, <laughs> <laughs> like the haircuts of a bunch of white people. And he says like, I'll take that one. And it's this wild yeah. red hair. That to me was incredible. Like, like I watched that and I was like, this is the most poignant <laughs> thing that has happened in this show. Like, this is, it felt like, I was like, this is something out of like, sorry to bother you. Another story about people being horses. Um, spoiler alert yeah. for sorry to bother you. But, uh, but yeah, I, I loved that scene. <laughs> yeah, I forget um, what part I, I was even thinking was it was like the beautiful thing towards the end. Um, yeah, I remember you saying something that there was like a scene that was like very perfect to you or something. I'm, I'm not sure if I remember. I do know that I really, really enjoyed the the glass game where they're like jumping from oh, paint. Yeah. To, I fucking love that. Yeah, because like like you have this entire show, the whole setup is like, oh yeah, like it's a bunch of people playing red light, green light, and if they move, they get shot. It's fucking terrible. Or, or like they're playing tug of war, and if they lose the tug of war, they fall to their death. And mm-hmm. This one was like, this is a game like just made up like this like yeah well i think i, I think I it's probably I pulling inspiration from hopscotch i guess yeah it's pulling inspiration from hopscotch but yeah i just it was just so over the top that it just really stuck with me and like the fact that we get like towards the end and like the glass maker is like i, I worked in a glass factory like mm-hmm. i like i can tell the difference and and the um, the best like the the childhood friend character is yeah. just like just has no time for it and just pushes them it's just so fucked up and i don't know just that game was just really interesting to me um i saw this great post on instagram i'm gonna see if i could find it um but it was about like it was it was analyzing squid game and what all of these different characters represent um so it is oh no oh no it's 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 working i think it's working so it is uh from this account called at no dot dole no dot dole it's a n-o-d-u-t-d-o-l and they have a post about squid game it's a portrait of south korea and it talks about um 
the bloody history of South Korea in the in the 1980s. Over 60,000 people were imprisoned in concentration camps uh, as part of a social purification campaign. Um, there, it talks about how Gihun is it Gihun Gihun, our our hero represents union struggles. Uh, Ali represents migrant workers. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a character that represents uh, North Korean defectors. Sang Wu represents the debt crisis. He seems like he's well off, but he's not. He's horribly in debt. And yeah. We have a character that represents the elderly, a character that represents organized crime and their role. Um, yeah, it's great. And like the VIPs are imperialism, basically. Um, but it's a nice little write up, and and it's on Instagram, so it's just some slides. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would recommend that listeners go check that out. Yeah, I don't remember what account I found this on, but I posted it on my story the other day where it, it was just like uh, visualizations of like classic paintings. And so mm. there's like clearly like the MC Escher design of the interior of yeah. the, like the facility where it's just like staircases going everywhere. And then there's a nice like reference to the, I guess it's the scream. I think it's Van Gogh who mm. did that, but like the, the woman like reacts like the first death inside of the red light, green light, which is like blood all over her face. She like puts her hands up to her face and everything. And yeah, I, I really appreciate small details like that. And yeah, it just adds to the color of the show a lot. And yeah, the, it's unfortunate that they're like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to love about Squid Game. But yeah, I do think it's sort of, uh, it kind of uh, fizzles out in the end a little bit for some of the reasons that you mentioned. But yeah, like the the one of the biggest things that part of the conversation is people just like like just not being able to tolerate the, the, the clunky dialogue deliveries of the VIPs and like you're just like why is this like just you couldn't find someone who's like I mean, a little bit. Like, there's probably know. countless shows and movies we've seen where there are foreign actors speaking foreign languages and we don't notice how bad their performance. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so 100%, I don't care. Like I don't. I don't yeah, mind yeah. that. Yeah, totally. Like, it wasn't made for us. Like, that feels like a very, like, Eurocentric perspective. (laughs) Like, Yeah, yeah. um, Very true. Yeah. It it is, um, yeah. Just one of the, just one of the things of the show that is just a big part of the conversation of it, because the fact that this show, like you said, is popular in, like, 90 countries, and it's just, like, the top Netflix show of, like, all time. It's just, it's just so popular. You're going to get kind of criticisms for, a lot of different things and yeah i i found it kind of curious that people sort of they don't really care too much about like the plot uh sorry the cop plot not really going anywhere i think you even mentioned like oh yeah like there's mines inside of yeah the, it's the like tunnel. that like, was a chekhov's gun that like yeah we don't see pop, those fired. Fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like season yes. two i guess i guess they gotta make a season two um yeah yeah we'll see yeah i'm thinking Hopefully. for season two is my season two prediction um, he rejoins the game and actually tries to like have the people fight against their captors because so many more people would survive if they all yeah. united to challenge the system of violence rather than just obeying the rules of a system of violence. And it seems like that is yeah. like what this show is saying is like everyone is agreeing to play this horrible game. When it's just like, no, just don't fucking play the game. <laughs> like, break the rules, kill your captors, uh, steal their money, and yeah, uh, get rid of this glowing piggy bank floating above your head, yeah. and sort of just think about the human aspect of what's happening. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, as you finished it, yeah, it's a really fucking fascinating piece of television. It's really fascinating how much of a phenomenon it is. Since yeah, yeah, because it's like I think a lot about um. So yeah, like working in like the streaming space, a lot of people like to watch garbage. <laughs> they like to mm-hmm. watch stuff that you don't have to think too much about. And I I think a lot about how um, I think it was during the Great Depression, pulp novels became really popular. Like people mm-hmm. were looking for an escape, and we would hear about like oh during the war, you know, people they turned to movies and they would watch a lot of movies. Um, I think during World War II, comic books had their golden age and they were like a competitor for pulp novels. So it's like during times of hardship, people turn to very easy to consume media. And it is really interesting to me that this is not (laughs) like easy to consume meat. Like this is horrible, (laughs) like horrific. Um, But it's the number one show. And so it's like, what is going on? Like there's a mental health crisis because of COVID um, and because of, you know, living in late capitalism. Uh, and the mental health crisis isn't because, uh, you know, people just need to worry about their mental health. Like it's, it's because the, there are these external stressors that people feel powerless to fight. So instead they try to find ways to comfort themselves so that they, they can endure the slog. Um, yeah. and so I don't know, like I, it, social media, it's just a way for people to let off some steam because, they feel powerless. And uh, so like, when are people going to like get pissed off enough to like not turn to social media, not turn to uh, self care and self love and actually like do something to try and change the circumstances that are, are leading to these crises. Um, That's a good question. One could hope it would happen yesterday. sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because it feels like, yeah, we're in this, new era of media where it's like you can sort of just drown in the amount of streaming services and things to just consume constantly and like is it there's so much stuff like does this signal that people no longer want comfort they want blood (laughs) like (laughs) like is that where we're at (laughs) like people are fighting in the streets people are taking over the capital like yeah maybe people are tired of uh you know waiting it out yeah, I think there is something to be said about the fact that, like, this show is, like, being memed so much. And, like, there's so many, like, different memes about just, like, the, like, the giant, like, ceramic girl or just, like, the old, the, man. The, the old man, like, kind of uh, cowering inside of the, the corner yeah. when like, no one wants to pick him. <laughs> the other one were just, like, people just coming up with their own squid games of just, like, yeah. small little things. Like, there's just so much stuff. And I think that's fucking fascinating that we like as a culture just being able to condense all of these things and sort of put them into like the puzzle piece that is our life and be like okay like yeah like, I can sort of relate to this for so many different reasons but just being able to be uh, I don't know just to digest the the gruesomeness of it and being able just to turn it into a joke and turn it into something that oh yeah this is kind of like my life it's like it's Boy, like, that's like fucking bleak yeah. dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, I, I, I don't fucking know like it's it's insane uh, it's yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's great yeah. we're gonna meme our way into oblivion yes yeah. yes there we go the ship is sinking into fire death by moist we're, <laughs> we're having a laugh about it um, yeah all right what have you been watching lately all right. i want to just give an honorable mention to a few things so 
uh, this week I watched The Tale of Two Sisters. And mm. I know when we were talking about choosing the movie, of my, uh, sorry, my choice of movie before Hot Fuzz, I chose uh, The Quiet Family. And you uh, I considered doing The Tale of Two Sisters, but you said it was kind of slow. So I went with The Quiet Family. But actually, I think I prefer A Tale of Two Sisters because of the like the slow pace and it's a little bit more of a meditative kind of horror movie. I remember liking it. I, yeah, I just hadn't seen it in like... 15 years or something so yeah yeah it's it's really good and i just want to say to our viewers if you're if you watch the quiet family or if our conversation about the quiet family sort of deterred you from it a little bit i would highly recommend a tale of two sisters because it was sort of the movie i was more looking mm-hmm. for a little bit more of just like a it's based off of a folk tale it's a little bit slower paced and it's just a really eerie movie just sort of set in primarily in one location inside of this like house like on the korean countryside and i think it's sort of just the work of a little bit more of a restrained kind of filmmaker where he's just kind of just taking his time to just really creep in some scares and yeah i enjoyed that quite a bit um but i watched a nightmare on elm street four and five the other night and (laughs) steadily working my way through this franchise sort of just like to mention it during our halloween month uh, in October and fucking a uh, four and five are really interesting to me because n- n- these aren't like better movies than the first three, but I think it really helps to, to watch all of them because an interesting thing happens is one, as these movies progress, the special effects are getting a lot better. And mm-hmm. so four and five happen in 88 and 89 respectively. So it's sort of the tail end of like the, the slasher takeover kind of that happened in the 70s and 80s and just the special effects just dealing with just the theme of dreams and being able to like meld reality is just done just really fucking well and so like they had a lot of fun which is the visual ways that they decide to to like kill all these fucking poor teenagers which is fucking terrible that all these movies take place in high school and it's just like a lot of just like yeah. young people falling victim to freddy krueger uh, Freddy Krueger also being fucking terribly misogynistic every time he's yeah. killing a woman he has to call her a bitch which I think is fucking so over the top as a character choice but there's something I found kind of fascinating where one of the survivors from one the character Nancy is like the protagonist of three and some of the survivors from three are like in the beginning and they kind of have a nice role in four and then the survivor from four is like the main character of five and i thought that was just interesting a, okay. a really great way to that's smart connect, yeah. yeah to like connect all of these movies and i don't know if it's like intentional from like the very beginning if like west craven sort of had that idea but it seems like it wasn't because there's like different filmmakers and different writers sort of rotating through these like studio productions and even on the wikipedia they were saying in the process of making, I think it was the process of making four, like they were looking for a director and like they tried to hire this one guy from the uh, Friday the 13th series. And they're like talking about shooting. It's like, oh, when are we gonna start shooting? It's like, oh no, we already started. Like we already started shooting like second unit and visual effects stuff because we know how like how to make a yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street movie. We kind of see someone yeah, that's kind, formula. Of guide the sh- kind of like guide the ship a little bit. It's like we're not looking for an auteur. We're not looking for your particular vision. This this that's engine sucks. is going to keep going, which <laughs> is mean, unfortunate for him. I mean, that's for that person. why they hired someone from the Friday, Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah, they didn't end up hiring him. They approached him, but uh, he didn't okay. want to do it. Uh, they like hired like a, another filmmaker. Martin Scorsese. Had, like, 
<laughs> only done like two movies at that point. But yeah, four is just fucking ridiculous. And four is like the one with our, you get the classic Freddy Krueger putting on the sunglasses meme at like at the beach has over the top fucking song with the fat boys. Uh, Are you ready for Freddy? <laughs> the, like the classic, like, I didn't know what this rhyme scheme existed outside of parody, uh, parody where he's like, my name is Freddy and I'm here to say, <laughs> I'll wrap you up and I'll take you away. It's just like, like you got, you got, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like this like rap flow. But um, I found five to be interesting because they just get even more over the top with how they kill these characters and, there's like an entire sequence where it's like animated like one of the characters is like this like he's a cartoonist so he's like just drawing all the time and then like freddy krueger draws him into his drawings and so their final their battle is like that's cool. it, it, like it's animated theme so like there's like oh so he's like paper and he's like getting cut up and like the color drains out of him and like goes onto the ground and yeah it's like not scary not like as menacing is the first three yeah. but they just get like this like just a lot more fun and a lot more of just like just ridiculous yeah. and leaning more towards just a comedy a reminder this man murdered and possibly molested children <laughs> freddy krueger yeah like yeah it, it was really bad we all yeah, love seeing four. him put sunglasses on and calling a woman a bitch yeah he fucking he he rides on a skateboard man he's, like, yeah. he does a little bit of shredding like it's, it's great shredding yeah oh. no Fre- yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah. Um, Freddy Krueger as a character is just, yeah, it is incredibly fucked up and it is incredibly dark. Yeah. The fact that he is a child killer. And yeah, in uh, five, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, the dream child, it all takes place dealing with uh, him getting this girl pregnant. And like, they're like trying to like stop him from taking over the baby that is inside of her. There's this, horribly oh, fucking boy. dark scene where the friend is like like it's established like midway through the movie that like this is one of the few friends that believes her yeah. and believes that what she's going through is real because there's always the character that's like what are you talking about like yeah. you're crazy just like just take a nap like so she's like no you don't fucking <laughs> understand if i go to sleep I'm like, like he's going to kill me and there's this incredibly dark scene where the friend is like well, you know, there is a way to sort of deal with the pregnancy. I'm not sure if you, and she's like, no, I'm going like, to keep the fucking baby. And it's just like this abortion conversation that just like is stuck in the middle of this movie. And it's just like, it's, it, it's political, just like, it's so, yeah, it's just so thematically like dark and political and just like downright fucking inappropriate. I was just like, what the fuck are you guys doing with this series? It's just, it's just getting into this insane territory. Yeah, this by is that not point. the time or place to have this. <laughs> When does life begin? Like, like this shit isn't like this is not fun. Like you guys, like I, you're tackling like you're you're tackling a theme that I don't think you guys are ready for yeah. fully. And yeah, it, there's it gets very mixed. The waters are very muddy as far as those themes are concerned. But yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun going through this franchise, and I'm looking forward to sort of wrapping it up as we get closer to Halloween. So I think I got like four movies left Jesus like three or four Christ. movies a left long fucking franchise are you gonna watch the yeah. remake too yes okay yes yeah, definitely gonna watch the remake Jesus. um yeah and also i just want to say that i had the pleasure of seeing dune in theaters mm, last night right. and, and, uh, if my viewers didn't know if viewers didn't know i'm living in south korea right now so i'm ahead uh, <laughs> of i guess some international releases out here so i was unable to see Candyman, which i'm still fucking sad about but i haven't seen that movie 
but was able to see a few movies like a, a little bit early. So yeah, being able to see Dune in theaters was fantastic. And uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve is like just such a great visual director and like just one of those, like I would say like a master of science fiction at this point because his resume is just of like Arrival and Blade Runner and just like, he's just so fantastic at sort of just presenting these like really big grand was like ideas in the science fiction genre like on screen and making it making me feel like a kid again watching these movies and without spoiling anything i'd say like dune elite if they if they are able to make the part two and part three of the of these of this story that'd be so fantastic because i feel like it's making it, good money overseas like it hasn't released in the u.s yet but i think it's it's doing really well yeah, hopefully by the time this gets edited and released, uh, it'll be it'll be by the time it's out in theaters and on HBO Max in the states. But I'm I'm planning on seeing this multiple more times, kind of to, to wow, rise up okay, and raise up that box, box office a little bit more, because I want to see not only just to support the like this director and support movies in general, but just for the sake of hopefully the studios just man up and fucking like green light two and three, just because. Yeah, like this is to me what I wanted the modern Star Wars to be. Like it's just like a really Have mature, <laughs> yeah, like a really mature, but it's also creative and it's like uh, just a really big science fiction sort of story. Yeah. And just like, like yeah, just like the scale is so fantastic. The worlds are so rich. The characters are just really fucking great. And the performances are fantastic. It's just, there's so much good stuff. And like, I haven't, I haven't seen the David Lynch uh, uh, movie, Not great. Dune movie, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And then I haven't read the novel either. Yeah, so this is sort of my first introduction to the world of Dune, and I just absolutely just fell in love with it. And it, there's just, it's just, it's just so good. And I have so many like positive things to say about this movie. And yeah, uh, was really fucking happy to see that in theaters. And I hope our viewers get to get a chance yeah. to go out and watch it too. So the fact that you're saying you're going to watch it multiple times convinces me that I should watch it in Dolby. Uh, I really don't yeah. like spending $40 or whatever on a movie, but Ooh. it's something yeah. like that. It's like, cause it's like, okay, I could sign up for AMC a list and that'll cover the Dolby. Um, yeah. and I think you're paying like $5 more for AMC a list, but you have it for the whole month. You can see as many movies okay. as you want Dolby. However, once you sign up for A-List, you're locked in for six months, I think. Something like that. Um, and if you cancel, you're not allowed to redo it for six months. Um, oh, jeez. So it's not like, yeah, you could subscribe for a month, see all the fucking movies you want, and then just cancel, and then only subscribe the months you're you're interested. Um, there, yeah, there's like yeah, kind of a cap. Yeah, locked in. Yeah, and it's like January... I know no fucking movies are coming out. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. Like the season kind of ebbs and flows yeah, a little That's bit, like but... Hollywood's whole thing. They just like use January as a dumping ground usually. Um but anyways, Dune, it its budget was one sixty five million. It so far it has made hundred thirty million dollars. Hasn't even come out Ooh. in the US yet. Thank I'm thinking it's gonna be okay. However, HBO Max, it is going to be on HBO Max the day before it comes out in theaters. I don't know why they keep doing this shit. Like, they're just trying yeah. to, like, handicap their own movies. Um, I don't know. I think it might help people sort of to... It, it, I feel like they, they just see numbers, period. So maybe they'll... They, I don't know if they'll add them together, but... If it's a top streamer, like the, then, yeah. It might yeah, it's so like if the box office is good and the streaming is good, maybe that'll be enough reason for the dumbass inside of the boardroom. Like, okay, yeah, they can do another <laughs> yeah, one. Sure. Like, it's like, no, man, it's like, 
this is like a sweeping space opera yeah. this is literally the shit like i wanted this like sequel trilogy of star wars to be yeah. but like just kind of just got stuck and just chasing its own tail with like not really knowing what to do but sound, yeah yeah but with this it's like it's so much fun also i need to mention the fact that like when we saw godzilla versus kong it was mm-hmm. like a solid like 20 minutes of like trailers and ads and stuff yeah. before the movie but for seeing movies out here it's like it's like just 10 minutes and like it's not even like not not even a lot of trailers it was probably like you get one trailer like one like food ad and then like one like wow. security thing like here's the access and it's just like over that's interesting they so do a security real. thing it's like a flight yeah it's like it's like here's your exits kind of thing they play that uh the virgin airlines safety video <laughs> like all well, it's the like a little cute little <laughs> it's a cute little anime thing like computer animated thing with like little like voltron kind of characters and it's like, oh there's like the exits over here it's like it's a lot of fun yeah it's certainly not as dark as like like the theaters in america being like this is like not a place for like yeah weapons no or whatever yeah, yeah don't kill anyone <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like it's like wow like that's really a, a morbid moment to have before you know they watching the flag king kong fight <laughs> watching king kong fight godzilla I have to remind yeah. us about fucking joker shooting or whatever Jeez. and so yeah i don't know just the experience of watching movies out here in theaters has been really refreshing in that regard um yeah, it's just it's just great. It sort of reminds me of like that magic. I, I get so cheesy when I think of it, about it that way, but yeah, it's just like that magic feeling of just like, fuck, like I just want to go take take me somewhere else. You know, this is spectacle and storytelling. It's like just take me to another fucking world, and uh, it, it really helps to sort of get that because I've been watching yeah, so many movies. The majority of the movies I've watched this year have all just been on my laptop, and so it's really nice to to go to a theater and really kind of just dive in. So I'm looking at Dune. Jason Momoa plays a guy named Duncan Idaho. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I could take this movie seriously. I don't think I'm going to say that. <laughs> because of I think I'm gonna that it. one character's name. Yeah. No, no, no. It's great. It's, it's, it's really great. Um, yeah, have you seen Arrival? I have. I was kind of mixed on it. Okay. I, I liked it a lot. I, I love just like, I don't know. Like, it felt like it's a big movie kind of visually was just like the, the tall like ship or whatever but mm-hmm. just the idea of like a science fiction movie about language really resonated with yeah. me and i was like that's like a, like that's really small and really nuanced and it's i i really just appreciate that movie for what it is yeah yeah it's cool that it like matches its form with its content like it's its style with what it's actually exploring and um yeah i don't i honestly don't remember why it didn't work for me but yeah yeah it's it's a it's more of a quiet science fiction movie and that's why like yeah i don't know i was really infatuated with blade runner 2047 um yeah. even though it's yeah roger deakins baby yeah cinematography like i thought roger deakins was shooting dune but it's the cinematographer from rogue one actually yeah yeah he does a fantastic job i think yeah, that's all I wanted to mention. Is that I got to see Dune ahead of some people. <laughs> ha ha ha. But no, I'm gonna if I can see this in IMAX, that'll be fantastic. All right, yeah, that's it for me. Okay, well I guess I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. Do you know what we're gonna be watching next week? It's your choice. Yes. A movie that so I'm kinda of playing off of Hot Fuzz. Um, okay. and the fact that this is a movie where there's something wrong, the characters don't know what it is. <laughs> but they're gonna get to the bottom of it before the movie's over. Um Hopefully you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, 
don't read anything on it um, because <laughs> I want you to go into this one blind. It is Ben Wheatley's Kill List. Have you seen Kill List? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, yeah, go into that one blind um, because I went into it blind and I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, next week, Kill List. All right. Okay, well, if you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you would like to tweet at us, you can hit us up on Twitter, at vaguezone. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions, movie lists for a franchise that we should watch next, let us know. We'll check it out. Yeah, this has been episode 56 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Good night, Tim. Good night, Tim.